I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because I'm a little neurotic. But sometimes I lay awake at night and I I ponder questions about life, about the kingdom. And I thought maybe I'd, I'd share them with you and see if we share some common wonderings. And here's some of mine. What role do I play in experiencing the greatness of God in my life, in my world, in my church? Do I play a role at all? Or is God kind of just set the whole thing up and I'm along for the ride? In what way do my actions and my behaviors and my thoughts and my words open or shut doors of the will of God in my life? Is there any way that I can limit God? You know, the famous Lord's Prayer is, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, is there any way that I can stop that from happening in me as a leader? I I know this is kind of an existential and spiritual question in a season dedicated to leadership and personal growth, but we're restorationists here. We're, we're apostolics. And so it's not just what's pragmatic that's been tested by, you know, Harvard Business Review or some sociological research or, or company. It's all of our wonderings and meanderings through the plan and the will of God have to do with these big questions about, is there a way that I can pull a lever and more of God's power and plan and spirit is unleashed in the world Or if I don't touch that lever, then maybe there is a chance that I don't experience all that God has for me. In what way can I limit God? Or better yet, in what way can I take the limits off of God? My name is Adam Shaw, and this is The Restorationist. My family just means absolutely everything to me. And this is why I I cannot begin to imagine the horror of the widow of 2 Kings chapter 4. I can't fathom the pain and now the panic that is no doubt pumping through her already broken heart. Her soul is a mix of adrenaline and grief and anxiety because her husband is dead and he is gone too soon. We know he's gone too soon because they have two little boys and, and he wasn't a rabble rouser. He wasn't, he wasn't a bad person. He was a prophet. He was a man of God. He was part of the sons of the prophets serving Israel. Her family was a kingdom family. They were dedicated to restoring Israel back from pagan Baal worship and, and restoring the worship of the one true living God under Elisha. But now he's gone. Her husband is dead. And it's just her and her two boys. And things have gone from bad to worse because her two little boys are now about to be ripped from her life. Without a dad in the home in this particular day and age and this culture, there was no one to pay the bills. And now the debt collector was coming. And verse one says, a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha saying, your servant My husband is dead, 
And you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. In this day, there was no safety net. There was no mercy. And unless this debt is paid, her babies will spend their childhood as slaves in another man's house. But she sees Elisha coming down the road, and she screams towards him. The scripture says she cried out and she didn't go, Oh, Hey, sup Bishop. I hope your day is good. No, no pleasantries. Just my husband is dead. This is not a jailhouse conversion for this woman. Cause she says, we serve the Lord. My husband served the Lord. We need your help. And I love Elisha's response in uh, verse 2 of 2 Kings 4. And he says, what can I do to help you? Tell me. And this is where it starts getting really cool. What do you have in your house? And she says, nothing at all except a flask of olive oil. And Elisha said, borrow as many jars as you can from your friends and your neighbors, then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each one when it is filled. So she did as she was told, and her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another. So this is incredible. So she goes and she begs and she borrows from her neighborhood, her friends, her family, everyone that she could find, every empty jar, and they all get together in the kitchen, they shut the door, and as she pours out, God performs this incredible miracle. Without explanation as to how, without an understanding as to what God did, God simply defies all natural laws and miraculously causes the oil to flow again and again and again and again and again. This miracle was from God. This act of miraculous, duplicating, unending, you know, oil flowing from one vessel into the other all belong to God. I hope you remember the questions we begin to ask ourselves at the beginning of this episode, because now we're going to begin to answer those questions. The miracle was the Lord's. This woman was powerless to cause oil to be duplicated. She had no ability in herself to make what was happening in her kitchen happen. She's bound by natural laws. She's bound by human limitations. And she needed a sovereign move of God in her life to do only what God could do. And this principle is universal. It is not unique to the story of 2 Kings. The principle is this, the miracle always belongs to God. Like the woman, we have human limitations. Like the woman, there are some things that we are powerless to do. There's only one person that can do the things that are supernatural, and that's Jesus. But while the miracle belongs to God, verse 6 adds a layer to the story that speaks of, I believe, a powerful principle about leadership in life. It says in verse six, now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, 
there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. When the last vessel was filled, the oil stopped flowing. As long as there were jars that were empty, God would cause the miracle to flow. Now, I'm not about to interpret this in a crazy allegorical way. I think that's one of the, you know, the reasons why we miss the the powerful leadership principle of the story is because we're like, well, you know, there are people that are empty vessels. Let's, you know, let's go find more empty souls and let's pour out Jesus into them. And I mean, I guess you can make that interpretation, but I, I'm not, I, I'm not sure that's the right one. And I think there's a simpler interpretation that reveals a more powerful principle. As long as the jars were empty, God made the miracle to flow. But once capacity was reached. The oil stopped flowing. This lets me know the following principle. The miracle was the Lord's, but the capacity was her responsibility. The miracle was the Lord's, but the capacity was her responsibility. As long as there was capacity enough to receive, the miracle flowed. As long as there were empty jars in the kitchen, God would multiply the oil. God multiplied the oil, but she determined how much. She determined the volume and the size of the miraculous and of the extent of what God could do. The miracle was God's responsibility, but the capacity was her responsibility. Because verse 3 says, Go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. Here's the thing from the story. Her current capacity was not enough, and her needed capacity had to come from another place. So she targeted what she lacked and found it from others. She was humble enough to reach out to other people and take what they had and incorporate it into her life. Notice this. She did not make her capacity problem God's problem. She didn't say, well, if God wants me to sell some oil, he better get me some more jars. She didn't say that at all. She shouldered the full weight of her capacity problem. She shouldered the full weight of enlarging that capacity to make room for more of God in her life. Her lack was her problem, not God's. So she made room for more. See, I believe before we dive in, and and thank you so much to all of you that reached out to me on Instagram and Facebook with your questions. I'm going to be developing future episodes on the nuts and bolts of leadership and team building and I, and I can't wait to jump into that, but I felt like I had to do this episode first so that we could really unpack our part in this leadership development and ministry process. I believe God gave me this uh, several months ago for my own life, and I just want to share it with you. And it's a principle that I've repeated like four times already thus far in this episode. And it's this, the miracle is the Lord's, but the capacity is your responsibility. God will create the opportunities, 
but you've got to capitalize on them. God will open the right doors, but you've got to walk through them. Like the widow, we have got to realize that our current capacity is not enough. I mean, you and I do not have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. We don't have all of the skills, the faith, and the discipline that we need. So therefore, we have got to target what we lack and learn from someone else. This is going to require you to be open and to be humble, to read books, to ask questions, to learn from one another, to pray longer, and honestly, just to take initiative. Because the miracle is the Lord's, but the capacity is your responsibility. Whatever amazing things God does through your life and through your ministry and through your leadership and through your local church, those are all God's. You can't take the credit for that. But the size or the extent of what God does, that's all on you. See, God will move in your family, but the capacity of your prayer life will determine whether or not you barely survive this season or whether or not you thrive and go to a whole new level of anointing and faith. God will reach for your family that's lost, but your preparation to answer their questions, to meet their spiritual needs, to be bold in your witness determines the speed of that reach. God will provide for your needs, but your generosity determines the size of that blessing. God will cause revival to flow in your local church, but your spiritual health, your leadership, your emotional intelligence, and your administrative capacity and skill determines how many come and if they stay. Don't make your capacity problem God's problem. If God wants me to pray more, he'll get me more time. If God wants me to do more, he'll give me more energy or a less demanding boss or finally make me full-time in the ministry. If God wants me to teach or if he wants me to preach, then, then he will, he'll make me smarter. Or, you know, I'm just waiting for the phone call to, uh, to be able to, you know, preach in big church or to preach in youth service. Uh, I'm not going to go out and create opportunities through personal discipleship. I'm going to wait. You know, if God wants me to do something, if he wants to flow through my life, then he's going to give me the means and the opportunity in order to do that. Don't make your capacity problem God's problem. And if I can burst your bubble just a little bit, don't pray about your capacity. Work your capacity problem. You don't pray about your capacity. You enlarge it. When we pray these prayers, what we're asking is, God, give me more jars. And the jars are never his responsibility. You know, we walk around like... <laughs> In our best T.D. Jakes voice, we're like, oh, God, give me more. Give me more. Oh, God, I prophesy. You're going to grow me. And we got the B3 wailing in the background, and we're like, oh, God, give me more time. <laughs> give me more energy. Grow me, God. Grow me, God. And we're sharply inhaling, you know, like a kid hyperventilating, you know, in a temper tantrum. And God's like, go read a book. You want to be growing? Go read a book. 
In fact, I wrote a whole bunch of them. There's 66, all collected, wrapped in vinyl or on your phone or in goatskin leather if you're a Bible nerd like Adam Shaw. Go read a book. Oh, where... I have this massive list, so just indulge me for a second. Oh, God, make me more successful. And then we're like, I'll praise you for it. I'll dance for it. I'll shout in advance. Ha! And God's like, I put this person in your life who's already succeeded where you want to succeed. They're, they've grown themselves. They, they are doing what you want to do. I put them in your life, your church, your district, the internet, that you can reach out and go make a real friend and learn from somebody pastors or youth pastors were like, oh God, send me more help. I prophesy more help. And God's like, grow who you got. I look who I started with. Right before I died, I had to pick an ear off the ground because my right hand man cut it off somebody's face. Grow who you have, right? We're like, God, make me more focused. Oh God, give me a mind for you. God's like, deactivate Facebook, Practice self-control. Put your phone in a drawer because the jars aren't his problem. The oil is his problem. The miraculous is his problem. The anointing is his problem. The jars are yours. Here's the application. Your spiritual disciplines of prayer, scripture reading, fasting, study, being in the right community with the right people, and creating a culture of continual learning in your life, those things increase your capacity. Your ability to seek God, to read his word, to fast, to read good books, and to be mentored by people, those things increase your capacity. The ability to be honest with yourself about your gaps and where you are weak the gaps of your life and your character, those things increase your capacity. If you can increase your level of consecration to God, you're increasing the capacity of your anointing. Holiness is not legalism. Having standards of conduct and dress and behavior and speech, that is not legalism. Those things draw you closer to God as you dedicate all of your life to him. We got to get off this legalism business. Holiness is about the negative separation from the world and the positive separation of drawing closer to God. The ability of your life to handle pain and pressure and setbacks and not shut down and wait for a perfect environment, a perfect time or a perfect season to become completely invested and engaged in the kingdom that increases your capacity to every leader that is in a local church that has a team underneath them. You are the lid. No one in your organization or your family or your relationship circle is going to rise higher than you. You set the bar. You set the tone. Let's break this down from families onwards. Dads, husbands, you set the spiritual and emotional tone for your family. Moms, wives, you nurture out what you prioritize. And if you don't prioritize spiritual things, you will not have a spiritual family. I love this quote. Culture is shaped by how leaders behave, not by how leaders believe. Now, I believe in the truth. I believe that we should believe the apostles' doctrine. But if you want to build a culture that creates room for more, 
That culture is shaped not by the things you believe about God, but by how you behave as you lead. So to those that are listening here, you're involved in serving, maybe you lead a department, maybe you're a fellow pastor like me. I love this quote by, um, he's not my real uncle, but I, it would be amazing if he was. Rodney Shaw, Pastor Rodney Shaw, he said in this tweet I read the other day, he was absolutely phenomenal. Think of the church like a ship. The Holy Ghost is the wind. Administration is the sails. I love that. I love that because it speaks to capacity. If we are the good old gospel ship... The Holy Ghost is the wind, but our systems, our processes, and our ability to administrate ourselves in common sense ways, those are the sails. And here's one thing I have learned in my life thus far. The wind is always blowing. The wind is always blowing. God is always moving. There are extreme circumstances where God leads us through seasons where he is silent and he is quiet, but I don't believe for a moment that churches and organizations and individuals should go through years and years and years of their life where there is no growth and there is no forward motion. Chances are the problem is not God. The problem is the system and the processes that give room for God to move. Your administration is your capacity. The consistency and productivity and your focus as you serve is your capacity. One of the things I was listening to a podcast by Carrie Newhop the other day and you know, one of the things they talked about when it came to church growth, only 6% of churches in North America are growing. And the thing they said about churches that grow is that the thing that churches are growing are doing is the same thing that churches that are declining are doing. It's just that those who are growing do it with consistency. They have good administration. They have repeatable processes that are scalable across every team and every department. That it's not the one-off that wins the game, but it is the consistent daily grind of discipline of acting with excellence in every area of your ministry that results in growing the church. Our administration, our consistency, our productivity, our disciplines hoist the sails to catch the wind of God. If the wind is always blowing, our administration, our processes hoist the sails to catch the wind of God. Here's a quote that, that, that I, I love, and that is, every church is perfectly structured for the results it's getting right now. And I think I can pare this down to the individual life. Every life is perfectly structured for the results it's getting right now. If you don't like the results, don't blame God change the structure. Because as the church grows, so must you. So what does this mean? Like, what does this actually really totally mean? You need to increase your competency in the things of God. You need to increase your competency and awareness of the gaps that exist within your organization and within your personal life. What does my team need? What do I need? If God were to add 50 people 
or 75 people to my local church right now, could we handle it? Could we make sure that everyone is discipled? Because there's nothing more awful than reading stories of a hundred soul revival happening in a church, 150 getting the Holy Ghost, and then you visit that church and they have the same number of people the following year that they did before the revival started. That's a capacity problem. What do we need to have in place that when God sends revival, we'll be able to take care of the people that God brings us? How do we need to grow? Add to your life. We have to realize that our personal, and you're talking to a guy that, that didn't get serious about administration and processes and productivity until a couple of years ago. We've got to realize that our administrative capacities in our life and in the places we lead and the intensity with which we execute those systems on a daily basis is what matters most. Our administrative systems and our passion to execute continually with faithfulness and excellence, those things raise the sails to catch the wind of God. One of the things that I was asked on Instagram is to talk about my personal devotion and how I structure my life and my growth. So I thought I'd share that with you at this particular point to try to let you know that I'm trying to actually live this. This is not just a podcast idea to me. This has become, and if it sounds like I'm getting intense as, as I speak, it's because this is in my gut. I, I believe this is absolutely true. I believe that more people would grow and I believe that more churches would experience revival if we increased our capacity, if we, if we became more diligent, if we focused more, if we became more intense with our spiritual disciplines and our personal growth, that we would see God move in a greater way. I became so consumed with this a while ago, and I began to do total inventory on my life. So this is not for me to brag. This is not for me to get you to think that I'm some like, you know, ninja for Jesus. I'm trying to figure this out too, but but here's here's kind of my life. Uh, a, a couple of years ago, I heard Brother Terry Shock say, if you don't know where you pray and when you pray, chances are you don't pray very much. And that terrified me because it was true. And so I decided I was going to get really serious about my walk with God. And so my life is crazy. I'm full-time. I'm an executive pastor in a growing church. Um, I'm a youth president. I travel between two to three months a year between district travel and preaching abroad. Um, I homeschool my son. I'm doing this podcast and uh, I'm trying to stay saved. So if if I'm going to seek God, I got to do it at like between 5 and 5.30 in the morning. So I most days I try to wake up between 5 and 5.15 or 5.30 in the morning and I pray. I pray for a length of time, and uh, and then I start, you know, getting ready for the day. Um, and we'll talk about this in the nuts and bolts uh, section. Um, but uh, I get ready for the day, and then as I drive my wife to work, we've got a book that we use called the High Performance Planner, where we walk through our day. We ask a value based oriented questions, and we come up with a strategy for the day. We've been doing this very, very consistently. We come up with a strategy for the day and priorities for the day, and then I drop her off at work, I get home, and I execute. Um, And uh, then uh, after my day is done, I read my Bible at night. 
And I've switched to a physical Bible because I don't want distractions like the pinging of my phone um, or games or Instagram kind of, you know, pulling my direction as I'm trying to, you know, chug my way through uh, Leviticus. I don't want that. And so I've switched to paper Bibles, um, highlighters and pens for them. And at night I read the scripture. For my personal reading, uh, I try to be spirit-led uh, with that. I, I pray and I go, okay, God, help me target my gaps. And then I think really intensely about my gaps. I look at the things I've struggled with over the past few months. And then from there, um, I, I develop a, uh, a growth plan or a reading plan. And, uh, and so God led me through a season on uh, organizational design and leadership building kind of resources. And then it moved into the emotional intelligence, the uh, health of a leader focus. And in 2019, God said, I want you to turn back to ideas. Um, this is where you, uh, and, and I noticed this is where I lacked that culture had shifted and culture had changed. And so I was going to begin to read and talk about, um, and think about big ideas. So I start reading books uh, from cultural thinkers so that I can put my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the culture. Uh, I, I try to fast one day a week, and then at the beginning of every month, I look at my calendar and I try to find uh, two to three days uh, to fast uh, in that month on top of the, the weekly. Why, why is that? I'm trying to increase capacity. It's not so you can think again that I'm some, you know, avenger for Jesus part of the Fantastic Four or whatever. It's, it's not that at all. And I actually, I struggle with whether or not to even share this. Um, but I, I felt like I had to for integrity's sake. The reason why I'm doing this is because our church is in a season of revival. And um, God is opening doors for me to serve and to minister and to speak into people's lives. And here's one thing I realized that I have to have something to say. I have to know where we're supposed to, you know, take the next step. I have to have the skill sets and the ability and the spiritual, emotional, and leadership intelligence to be able to take advantage of whatever door God opens and, you know, perform with excellence and anointing. It's also me understanding that I'm the lid for everyone that looks to me for influence and leadership in my life. That, that scares me to death because I don't want to limit anyone who I'm mentoring. I don't want to limit their potential. I don't want to limit their anointing by creating a culture of leadership where it's okay to not be absolutely crazy intense about chasing the miraculous things of God through growing myself as a leader. We've got to commit to be diligent, leadership growth, advancing our systems. Basically, as Brother Rodney Shaw says, we need to raise the sails because the wind is blowing. And you may be saying, Adam, this is really intense. Do you really need to do this? I'm just trying to catch the wind. I'm trying to bring Jesus more jars. See, every book you read, every extended fast you take, Every time you don't hit the snooze button and you pray, every time that you go and you stick out your neck and you learn from a leader and you reach out and you ask questions 
and you let yourself be mentored. You open up your life to constructive criticism. You walk into the lives of those you trust and say, hey, tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where I'm dropping the wall, dropping the ball. Every time you do that, you are getting more jars. See, here, here's what, if, if I can just be completely transparent. I never want to be in a place where I cannot maximize the miracle because I lack the capacity. I never want to be in a place where God can do something amazing, but he can't because he didn't get enough jars from Adam Michael Shaw. I was talking about this this summer, sorry, not this summer, last summer, and with some good friends, um, Kelvin Shaw and Akeel Thompson, and we were talking about this issue of capacity and I need to thank Akil for really putting my mind onto this topic. And uh, he, he told me this story of this preacher that went and overseas and he preached to this local congregation uh, that the missionary was overseeing. And they had this incredible move of God and it was just people were saved and people were being delivered. And, and so the missionary thought, I'm going to bring him back and, and set him up in a really large venue. And we'll have thousands there. And the, the event came and the young speaker bombed. And the missionary was like, whoa, what happened? Maybe, you know, maybe it was a one-off. So he brought him back to his church and that preacher just knocked it out of the park. People were like, whoa, this is amazing. So he's like, okay, maybe it was just a bad day. I'll bring him back to the stadium. So he did. And it was a total failure. So the missionary went to God in prayer and was like, what in the world happened here? What's going on? Why is this the case? And God said this, and pardon the turning of my journal pages, but I wanted to make, I wanted to make sure I got this quote correct. And here's what God spoke to the missionary. It's, it was recounted to me by my friend. God said he had the capacity for hundreds, but not for thousands. And that's why I couldn't use him. Ouch. I heard that. I, I, I like, oh my goodness. I, I nearly broke down at the table over lunch. The problem was not God. It was the capacity of the one God was trying to use. It was his ability to handle the miracle. Can you handle the miracle? If God were to radically bless your life or bless your church or your ministry, could you handle it? So Elisha says, go gather all these jars. And at the word of the prophet, the widow, she gets to work. She banged on doors. She talked away in the kitchen. She raided the uh, Tupperware parties and just borrowed everything that she could and was like, I'll, I'll get it back to you later. She, she got everything that she could, everything she could get her hands on. And if you would have asked her, why are you doing this? Why are you going through all this trouble? Why are you putting yourself out there and trying to get, you know, all these jars from all these people? She would tell you, I'm making room for a miracle. 
So when your doubt or your flesh or maybe even your friends, when you begin to step up and people are like, why are you praying so much? Why are you so intense? Why are you so disciplined now? Why are you not staying up so late? Why are you like, I got to get to bed early on a Saturday? Because, and you're like, because Sunday's coming and I need to be sharp and I need to be focused at church. And people are like, why, why won't you want to hang with us anymore? Why are you reading all the time? Why are you learning? Why are you growing? You never stop. You're so intense. Get some more balance in your life. Just tell them I'm making room for a miracle. People are like, why are you being so bold? Why are you so focused? Everything's changed. Your personality's even different. Just tell them I'm making room for a miracle. I mean, I- I'm, I'm sorry to, oh man. I know this is supposed to be like a podcast and, and not like a, like a, a preachy thing, but I'm going to be honest, I, I felt the Lord just, I felt it, I feel his anointing while, while I'm talking. I don't know who this is for or who may be listening, but enlarge your capacity because there's a miracle coming. It's time for you to grow because God's got revival he wants to bring. It's time for you to take extended fasts and really increase the time you spend in prayer so that you can deal with the gaps that are in your life. Because revival, miracles, is they're coming. And God has more oil that he wants to pour out than you have enough jars. So start making room. Because here's the thing that, that like blows me away about this story. And, and again, I'm sorry for getting emotional, but this is like, th- this, this, this idea just, it kills me. Like it's, it's totally fired me up. Verse seven says, when she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, now sell the oil and pay your debts and you and your sons live on what is left over. Another translation says, you and your sons live on the rest. Because here, here's, man. She increased her capacity for a need. But in honor of her faith and her obedience, God superseded her need and handled her future. I mean, do you capture how amazing that is. God blessed her efforts with overflow. Never would she have to fear about losing her sons again. God took care of her future with overflow. See, here's the thing that I have learned about God in this season of capacity and enlargement, this journey that he's been taking me on. And that as we serve a good God, we serve a great God. And if you will do the work as a young adult, a young leader, a young minister, and you'll push yourself, that you won't wait months or years to just kind of meander and have fun with your life and think about becoming disciplined and serious later. If if you will increase your capacity now, God will bless you. And through the sacrifice of discipline, 
He will create momentum in you for your future. Maybe what you need to do at the end of this podcast is just pray a really simple prayer that says, God, I'm going to increase my capacity. God, I'm going to start looking at my life, and I'm going to pray that like you gave Elisha a word for the widow, you're going to give a word to me that will send me on a journey to where my gaps are. You'll embrace this podcast as more than just 45 minutes or so of your day and your time to help you learn some practical principles, but you'll take it as, dare I say, a a call from the Spirit to a generation to say, God, you're calling me to step up, to raise my faith, to raise my discipline, and I'm going to do whatever it takes. Because I believe that if you'll obey God through the efforts you take to increase the capacity of your spirituality, your emotional health and intelligence, the systems and processes and administrative structure of your churches and departments or organizations that you lead, that you're creating capacity for a brand new future and you're going to start making more room for a miracle. Thank you so much for your time today. I, I really appreciate it. To all of you that submitted questions on Instagram and Facebook, I'm going to be hard at work to put together a few episodes to deal with those in this season on leadership and growth we're in right now. But before I jumped into answering those questions, I really felt that I felt led by God to share this with you. And it's something I really deeply feel in my heart. For those of you that are part of my generation and younger, it's time to increase our capacity because through increasing our capacity, we make room for the miraculous of God in our life. Well, this is all the time we got for today. Thank you so much for listening. The sounds from the room next door let me know that my son is up from his nap and He's going to want to hang out with Daddy. If this has blessed you at all today, please consider sharing this. Leave me a review on iTunes or on Spotify. I think there's uh, such a desire amongst um, younger apostolics, younger apostolic leaders to really grow. And so let's connect with each other. And uh, as iron sharpens iron, let's grow together. I heard there's some others that are going to be starting some podcasts. And uh, I'll let you know as soon as they're launched. I think the more voices that we can get that believe this amazing book of Acts apostolic message, I think the better. So thank you so much again for your time. I hope you have a great day. God bless you.